Hello, and welcome to another edition of Forrester's CX Cast. Each week, we speak with an analyst from the customer experience team about their research or discuss a customer experience topic in the news. Along with my co host, analyst Diana Lawfer, my name is Sam Stern. You will hear both of our voices each week. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Forrester's CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, joined as always by my co host, Diana Lawfer. Hello, Diana. Hi, everyone. And this week, Diana is not my co-host. She is the guest, our interviewee, for conversation about her latest report uh, called CX Predictions 2016. Um, Greater corporate-wide interest in CX will cure some ales and create others. Wow, that's a mouthful. Yes. Luckily, (laughs) I think if you just search CX Predictions 2016, that should be enough. Okay, okay. But um, what I do like about the title... uh, although it is a mouthful, is that it gives you a really good sense of what we're going to get in the report. So we'll come to that. But first, I want to ask, um, because I think we we write a lot of these predictions reports. We write them every year. But I think this is the first time you've been involved, or maybe the second time. But why do we do this? Why do we make these predictions each year? And and what do you think the value is in doing this? Uh, Well, for one thing, they make for good media fodder. Uh, Good point. Yeah, so that's always nice. Um, But hopefully they also help our clients prepare for the coming year. This is the time of year when a lot of people are sort of budgeting and planning and creating their strategy. And what we're hoping to do is to point out some of the big trends that we see coming, um, including some of the challenges for CX pros and also, you know, where companies are investing so that folks can get a good sense of where their competitors are and what they might want to be doing in the coming year. Okay, so to the best of our abilities anyway, and we'll come to that in one second, (laughs) um, this is a prognostication for 2016 that uh, to some degree can help inform the decisions you're making about budgeting or priorities uh, at the end of 2015. Yeah, that's what we hope. Great. So let's come to that then. Uh, What happened with last year's CX (laughs) predictions, our 2015 doc? How did we do? Uh, Maybe a B. You okay. know, some of them, some of them rank true. Some of them, uh, not so Is that like so a, much. an Ivy League B where it's really almost an F or is that like a, <laughs> a, a true B, a real B? Uh, I didn't, I didn't tally them up exactly, okay. but I'd say we were in the maybe 75 to 80%. Okay. Uh, I would say parts of every prediction were, were correct where, whereas some of them fell down. So, um, you know, for example, last year, one thing we talked about was, um, companies trying to differentiate uh, based on designing and measuring emotionally resonant experiences. And as part of that, um, a lot of investment in um, design firms in terms of agencies and company, companies buying up design firms. Right. We'd already seen that to some extent in 2013 and 2014 with Capital One buying Adaptive Path. Um, and we did see this trend continue in 2015. Yep. Uh, McKinsey bought industrial design firm Lunar in uh, in May, and Capital One struck again, buying an Oakland design firm called Monsoon. Um, but we're also seeing a lot of firms doing their own internal hiring instead of acquisition, um, yep. especially among B2B firms like IBM, GE, and uh, in Infosys. So um, not all of it is acquisition-related, but a lot of uh, movement in the design space, certainly. Yep. Um, okay, so that was a prediction that I guess you're saying did come true, or at least partly did. I, I think um, you and I were talking about this off air, which makes is no good for the actual recording, so let's repeat <laughs> some of this conversation. I think yeah. that 
the, the challenge of our companies really differentiating on the basis of designing for emotion is we talk about it a lot at Forrester. And, um, well, we've even talked about it a lot on the CX cast. I think we've had at least two episodes that, that, that focused on that. Um, but maybe we don't see that as a huge trend yet, right? It still seems quite early for um, bringing emotion into the center of the design process. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I think it's too early to make a call on whether the differentiator is designing emotionally resonant yeah. experiences. Though there is this investment in design, I don't think that we're seeing the output yet, which is the experiences that are coming out of this greater investment. Yeah, one thing that I, if I look at our predictions over the years, is I feel like we get the interest part right, not the execution part, though. And maybe it's a, this is going to happen this year. There will be a groundswell of interest and companies will start to, um, you know, make acquisitions or make hires that will prepare them to do it. And then the next year, perhaps, is when they are able to pay it off. Yeah, one of the other things we predicted last year was that companies would find creative ways to extend their ecosystems mm-hmm. um, through new businesses like uh, Marriott partnering with Liquid Space to rent out some of their additional meeting spaces um, in their hotels or uh, DHL launching a last mile delivery service where individuals can sign up to deliver your package to your home. Hmm. Um, we're definitely seeing more of these kinds of tests. Um, General Motors, for example, is um, testing a car sharing app that lets people, um, I think at the Ritz-Carlton in New York, um, rent GM cars by the hour. Hmm. So we're definitely seeing companies um, you know, playing around with this kind of model. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to pan out and that um, more big companies are going to be sort of jumping into these business models. Um, I think, again, it's sort of too early to tell with, uh, with that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So... Um, with the uh, caveats noted about our um, our past accuracy, let's still, anyway, preview our 2016 predictions. Can you um, talk to us about a couple of the predictions in, in this year's report? Yeah, certainly. So um, one big trend that we saw in 2015 is that business and technology leaders alike cited customer experience as the number one priority mm. um, for their businesses. So we expect to see customer experience to keep on gaining momentum Um, within organizations, um, and not just within CX teams, but throughout the enterprise. But um, what's interesting is that's not going to happen without road bumps. So our our story this year is kind of a good news, bad news story for each of our things that we're predicting. Um, So, so for example, um, we're seeing CX techniques proliferate throughout the enterprise. More groups are using things like journey mapping. We're seeing um, HR teams use a lot of employee journey mapping more and more. Um, and as a result, we're seeing more demand for CX teams internally um, yep. for their skills. But that also means that um, at some point, these methods are going to become bastardized as they become more removed from the CX team, where yeah. the CX team isn't available to help with all of these types of um, efforts that are going on. Or CX pros that can't fulfill every request within an organization are going to see their colleagues even hiring outside um, mm. agencies or partners to help with this, and then they all of a sudden don't have a sense of everything that's going on in customer experience within their organization. Wow, that's that's strikingly similar in my mind anyway to what, what I've heard in the past from IT departments feeling the pain of, well, we were understaffed or didn't couldn't support all the requests, so they all went out and hired their own third-party resources, and suddenly we have you know eight different platforms when we should have one or, you know, five different models when we need one for to, to really function well. Yeah. Um, and, and so one thing that CX pros can do to guard against that is yep. to actually um, train their colleagues in 
um, CX skills like journey mapping so that everybody is using them appropriately and that they kind of know what's going on in the organization. So this is something that Fidelity does with their um, champions programs. They train volunteers in um, the organization to use CX methods to then support their own teams. Great. So it's rather than, um, you know, trying to hold the line against this interest, it's uh, encouraging it by um, training in the skills and then through the training, ensuring that there's a consistent way of doing journey mapping, for example. Exactly. I mean, I think if anything that you want to reward interest in right. CX, but um, but that's also going to mean some more work on the CX pros part, and they should be ready for that. That makes sense. Yeah. So another good news, bad news story is about uh, budget. Uh-huh. Um, start with the bad news first, which is that <laughs> CX pros still cite budget as sort of the number one barrier to their initiatives. Um, that's something that we've seen for a couple of years and we don't necessarily see going away this year. Uh, the good news is there are some lean methods for uh, customer research and innovation mm-hmm. and, and measurement that CX pros can use to get the most bang for their buck and to overcome their budget shortfalls. Um, so, for example, in the field of customer research, um, we've long advised our clients that they should be performing ethnography or yep. field observational research. Um, the reality is that's very expensive. We hear from firms like Wells Fargo that say that they do, you know, a big ethnographic study every 10 years. So obviously they have to supplement with things in, in between. Um, and so CX pros can, can do a few things. We're seeing a lot of people use online customer panels, Uh um, which traditionally has been a mainstay in market research communities, but now doing more of, um, like focus group type um, groups, except in the online space. Yep. Um, and uh, especially uh, we're seeing this a lot among healthcare companies. It's a great way to have easy access to your customers on an ongoing basis, and, um, and it's rel- relatively cheap compared to other methods. Yeah, that's great. And our, our colleague, uh, Joanna Vandenbrink-Quintanilla, uh, wrote an entire report on Gorilla CX methods, Gorilla with a G-U-E-R. Um, which I think is um, is an appropriate one if you're if you're up against a challenging uh, budget situation, right? To, to read that report. Yeah, exactly. Her report has lots of different examples of how companies have sort of gone out and videotaped on the street. Or um, one, she talked about one healthcare company that needed to test their IVR system, and they just went to a community. Um, blood donation event and signed up a few people to call the IVR live and to test it. And so there's really easy ways where you can um, recruit customers on the cheap. Yeah. Great. Um, and then in terms of measuring customer experience, uh, surveys are still the mainstay, but we're seeing new tools that do promise to deliver insights faster and cheaper. One of them is uh, social media. This is something that we talked about recently on the podcast with, yes. uh, with our colleague, Maxie Schmidt. Um, but we're seeing companies partner up with the social media groups in their organization and use that to measure sentiment um, and therefore experience. And so JetBlue, this is something that they do with their uh, FlyFi internet service. They measure positive and negative sentiment. And when they see that sentiment change or they see a trend towards negative sentiment, this is a really fast indication that there might be a problem, that, that they should do something about it, certainly faster than um, than surveys and and also cheaper because they already have this monitoring going on. Yeah, I, I, what's striking to me about it as well is it's a great example of when to when it's easy to use social media, right? Because it's it's a new thing for JetBlue. FlyFi is supposedly faster than other Wi-Fi services in the sky, and so in for both reasons is likely to be remarked about on social media, right? You're going to say, oh, JetBlue finally got FlyFi, right? Or finally have Wi-Fi on a JetBlue flight. Um, or you'll say, oh, this is way faster than on other planes. Or you'll say, 
I thought this was supposed to be way faster than on other, <laughs> on other airlines, and it's not, right? So you'll get all – it's probably remarked on because it's new, because it's supposed to be differentiated in a way that maybe – you know, their seatback televisions aren't remarked on anymore because we're just so used to them. Yeah, and another thing that social media is good for is getting feedback on things that you wouldn't have necessarily thought about asking yes, in a survey. Yep. Um, like I know American Airlines got some feedback on some music they were playing on planes. People didn't necessarily <laughs> like it. I don't know that's necessary, necessarily thinking something that they were thinking about surveying about, but they right. were able to make changes because people were so vocal about that particular <laughs> topic. Um, okay, great. Well, um, I imagine there's many more predictions, uh, good news, bad news, maybe um, more on our performance from last year as well in in this year's report uh, called CX Predictions 2016, Greater Corporate-Wide Interest in Customer Experience Will Cure Some Ails and Create Others. Thank you, Diana, for um, taking on a different role in our (laughs) CX cast this week. We appreciate it. And listeners, thank you, as always, for tuning in. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's CX Cast. We'll post links to the reports we mentioned in the show notes for this podcast. And if you have questions or suggestions, please contact me at sstern at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perception is your CX reality.